0: To the Commander Theory podcast. I'm Nick Beatman and I'm here with my friend Zach Kmack. Hello, everybody. Today we're going to be continuing a long running series all about the best commanders for players on a budget. This episode is all about the enemy colors. We've done ally colors before and mono color decks before that. All the decks in this episode can build into a strong deck in the $100 to $250 range. Many of them have room to go a lot lower if you're willing to swap out a few key cards. It's pretty darn difficult to build a deck for less than a hundred dollars in
1: commander yeah one and specifically one that's competitive
0: yeah a restriction of about a dollar or less per card is basically the bare minimum you're going to be able to get to and have a deck that can really compete with others so this range is like still very reasonable compared to what a lot of decks in commander look like these days also, I want to mention that all of the decks in this episode are going to be linked in the episode description. We've got them all up on Architect. And for the first time ever, we have affiliate links in those deck pages. So if you want to buy any of these decks, you just scroll on down through the architect page and you'll see a linked TCG player. Click that and all the cards will be automatically added to your shopping cart. It's super convenient and we wouldn't be promoting TCG Player if it wasn't something that we used all the time and that we think will save you money. So, Zach, why do you use TCG Player over just shopping on the website of a single store?
1: Since it's come out, the convenience of just being able to get what you need from a bunch of different shops all at one time has been like amazing. It's pretty much just changed how like I've bought singles in the last like few years. I remember the days when you'd have to, like, go to different store webpages and click and be like, okay, is this card cheaper here? Is this card cheaper here? What do I want from this shop? And it took forever Mm -hmm. (laughs) to, like, try and get, like, the cheapest cards from all these different places in, like, a package that was reasonable. Like, okay, I guess I will spend $8 here because I want these three cards. I really shouldn't just buy this one 50-cent card from the shop. Is there anything else I need from, like, stuff like that? So... It's really streamlined the whole process and made just deck building and card buying so convenient and it's it's wonderful. I'm I'm a huge fan. Another benefit of TCG Player is just the competition because it is
0: a marketplace of sellers rather than any individual seller. Like they are competing with each other and you can see it happen in real time right after a set releases. Like they are going to be bidding each other down until you get the best possible price. And of course, there's some great features like the cart optimizer so when you click the affiliate link in one of our deck lists it's going to find like the lowest possible price for all these cards but that may mean that you're buying across like 10 or 15 different sellers but if you use optimizer you can see a couple different options for consolidating your purchases into fewer packages
1: you could do for like money or for fewer packages or for like the tcg player direct like trying to prioritize those guys that gives you a bunch of different options
0: yeah. So, so maybe you're willing to spend another dollar or two in order to have like three packages instead of 10. That's an option. You can just use the card optimizer to do that. So we really recommend TCG player if you aren't buying from them already. And if you use these affiliate links to purchase the decks that we're talking about today, then you're going to be supporting the show. Let's talk a little bit about what we're going to be highlighting today and how you can pick commanders that'll help keep the cost of your deck low. So one thing you can do is try to pick a commander in fewer colors. The fewer colors, and especially if you're in monocolor, you can run more basics. You don't have to worry nearly as much about your mana base, and that's where you can save a lot of money. What are some other ways that you can choose a commander that'll help you reduce the cost of your deck?
1: A commander that wants to do something very specific will help because it pulls you away from staples. So one of the problems with commander prices lately is is that a lot of staple effects that can go into lots of decks have become very, very pricey. So if you have a commander that incentivizes you from building away from just wanting generic good effects, then you're going to have a lot cheaper build than if you're just trying to build some kind of good stuff deck.
0: The more generally useful a card is, the more demand there's going to be for it because it can fit in more decks, more people are going to be able to use it. Whereas if we're talking like an Oriok champion that only Karlov is interested in, that card is going to be comparatively a lot cheaper than a card that everyone needs. Staples aren't just divided evenly across all colors. There are some colors that are more popular, and so the staples in those colors tend to be more popular. So when we were talking about quantifying color power level, one thing that came up was we were able to see that Green was just a much more popular color than the other colors, and we did that by tallying up the the number of copies of the top 100 cards in every single color. So green was 150,000 more cards in decks compared to the next most popular color. It had over twice as many cards in decks compared to red, the least popular color. So there's definitely going to be a lot more demand and a lot more pressure on the prices of these green cards than in Color identities like red or white red or mono white. That's another way you could potentially save money is just by picking a color identity for which there's less demand. We want to make sure that the decks we're showcasing in this episode are viable. You can build a Zuberi Golden Feather Griffin Tribal deck that's going to cost you almost nothing to build. Oh yeah. But it's not really going to be able to compete with real decks because there's not that many powerful Griffins and Zuberi's reward for committing to them is not very strong. But all of the decks that we're going to be talking about today are things that we have either piloted or played against, and we can vouch for all of them being, like, viable decks that can, you know, take down a game without too much difficulty. Yeah, like, if
1: you brought any of these to Commander Knight, like, no one would bat an eye. They wouldn't be like, why are you playing that card? It would just be like, oh, wow, that's strong.
0: (laughs) Yeah, all of these decks are going to be able to hold their own in, like, a a non-CEDH meta.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, not everything is super tuned, but not everything is super casual. Before we jump into the decks, I want to briefly talk about our Patreon
0: page. If you head on over to patreon.com slash commander theory, you can support the show and access sweet benefits for as little as $1 a month. If you aren't ready to be a patron yet, you can still help us out by writing a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. We're going to start the enemy colors off with Orzhov.
1: So this is a deck that I actually really like. This is Karlov of the Ghost Council. It's pretty strong. I don't know uh, how many people have seen a Karlov list in action, but it can be pretty impressive. For
0: those who aren't familiar with Karlov, he is white and a black for a 2-2 spirit advisor. Whenever you gain life, put 2 plus 1 plus 1 counters on Karlov, and then you can pay white and a black and remove 6 plus 1 plus 1 counters from Karlov to exile target creature. So this deck has a built-in creature control mechanism. So it's good at controlling the board, potentially keeping other commanders off the field. But it also has a pretty strong Voltron aspect because Karlov can grow quite quickly if you're building around it. He gets very large very fast. Our build of this deck is about $240, but there's opportunities to decrease that if you're on a more restrictive budget. And there's opportunities to bump that up too if you'd like to power it up and really take more games with it. So what are the type of effects that this deck is running that makes it so
1: cheap? This deck, as opposed to a lot of other lists, really want to be running the things that people would kind of refer to as like the Soul Sisters. The two where the name comes from are Soul Warden and Soul's Attendant. So both of these are one mana, one one white creatures. They're both human clerics. And whenever a creature enters the battlefield, you may gain a life. And it's not just these two creatures. There's actually a a bunch of creatures and other enchantments and things that give you these little bits of life which is actually better. You don't actually necessarily want to gain like 10 life at a time with Karlov. You want to gain like one life three times with Karlov.
0: Yeah, Karlov, um, it's it's definitely worth noting that his trigger is just whenever you gain life. He doesn't care how much is being gained on each instance. He just cares that you have a lot of instances. So that's what this deck specializes in. And the thing is, most of these Soul Sisters type cards are really, really cheap. Soul Warden is a common, Soul's Attendant is a common, A lot of these cards are just not in high demand and often not high end rarity either.
1: Oh no, yeah, Suture Priest is in this list. It's just a 1-1 for 1 and a white. Whenever you have a creature enter the battlefield, you gain a life. Whenever a creature an opponent controls enters the battlefield, they lose a life. You don't actually care about that. Um, You just care about that life gain. You just keep chaining these guys together and all of a sudden you're gaining 4 life whenever a creature enters the battlefield and Karlov is huge.
0: Yeah, and this deck also runs a bunch of like cheap commons and uncommons with Extort. So extort is whenever you cast a spell, you can pay hybrid white-black. If you do, each opponent loses one life and you gain that much life. So essentially, um, every time you cast a spell, you can potentially trigger Karlov if you have the mana for it.
1: And Extort stacks. So if you have two different things with Extort and you pay white-black, white-black, it's two different instances from two different sources. Mm-hmm. It synergizes pretty well. It's pretty cool. So we're going to briefly touch
0: on the more expensive cards in this list that you could potentially cut if you wanted to make it even cheaper. Shizo Death's Storehouse is $20. It's a legendary land that taps for black mana, and you can pay black and tap target legendary creature gains fear until end of turn. So one of the reasons that this card is important in this list is because Karlov doesn't naturally have evasion of his own, so he can grow very, very large very quickly, but... If you're going the Voltron strategy and you want to use him as your win condition, you need a way to get in with him. And Shizo Death Storehouse, it's not just a single card in the deck, because if you're running that, you can also run like an expedition map or some other ways to tutor it out. Those tutors won't necessarily add a lot to your deck's cost, but they'll make it more likely that you'll see Shizo in more games.
1: And, and just really be able to get in there and deal the damage you need to win. Another comparatively
0: expensive card is Test of Endurance. So this is $10 for two white-white enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, if you have 50 or more life, you win the game. So this deck is all about life gain. It's not difficult at all for it to get above 50 life. And Test of Endurance just automatically makes it so that you win the game at that point. We think that it's something that's worth splurging on.
1: Again, like we did this in the other parts of the series, all these expensive cards we're talking about are cards that we would suggest just to get for your collection in general. Like Shizo obviously is very good with Karlov here, but Shizo is also just very good in a lot of your lists. This is kind of a suggestion not just for this deck, but for your collection in general.
0: Another more expensive card that we are including in our build that you can cut if you're really looking to keep the cost low, Flux Reservoir. So this is a four cost artifact. Whenever you cast a spell, you gain one life for each spell you've cast this turn. Pay 50 life. Aetherflux Reservoir deals 50 damage to target creature or player.
1: This is one of the few decks where you actually want both ends of Aetherflux Reservoir. So whenever you cast a spell, you gain increasing life as you're going through your turn. That's just an easy way to trigger the life gain on Karlov. It adds up really quickly, especially when most of the cards in your deck are like, two and one mana and then you can just dome somebody <laughs> mm-hmm. you just win when you get to 50 you just like okay well, now you're dead and then i attack you and i gain more life and you keep the train rolling it's it's pretty fun
0: yeah and and that card is 10 11 dollars right now but highly recommend running it a last card that we recommend putting in your deck is timna the weaver so that she is currently 20 dollars one white black for a 2-2 human cleric with lifelink At the beginning of your post-combat main phase, you may pay X life, where X is the number of opponents that were dealt combat damage this turn. If you do, draw X cards. So this is not only a life linker that can get you more Karlov triggers, but it's also a needed way to convert life into other resources. She comes down really early, she contributes to your game plan in multiple ways, and it's a steady source of multiple cards per turn.
1: On that note, we're going to transition here to ways to beef up the deck, and I think the easiest way to do that is just to add more of those ways to spend your life. There's a lot of really good ways to spend life in black that have just become staples. Necropotence being one of the better ones, that would be great in this list if you uh, have one, if you want to purchase one, that's a pretty easy way to beef up this
0: list. Ad Nauseam is another strong one, three black black instant. Basically, you can flip cards and lose life equal to their converted mana cost as much as you want, and then put all the revealed cards into your hand. So this deck's average converted mana cost is relatively low. So you can draw a lot of cards off of that. And of course, you're going to have plenty of life to throw around. So you can easily, more than refill your hand, just sort of sculpt the best possible hand. Well, that is all we have to say on Karlov. Karlov.
1: So, the next color identity we're going to be touching on is Golgari. And we have a few decks for you with Golgari. So, the first one we're going to talk about is a budget Hogak, Arisen Necropolis list. Hogak is an 8 8 trample for 5 hybrid green black, hybrid green black. You can't spend mana to cast him. He has Convoke and Delve. So, you can tap creatures to pay costs, and you can exile cards from your graveyard to pay his cost. And then uh, you may cast him from your graveyard.
0: If you go ahead and click the affiliate link on the the deck list that we're posting, you'll see that this deck is only about $150, really reasonable price for a commander that is an extremely resilient and aggressive threat. What is this deck running that makes it so cheap? What is the, the Hogak specialty?
1: So for people who've been playing a long time, there's this card called Mulch, things that basically reveal cards from your library, put a subset of them into your hand and the rest in your graveyard. There's just so many of these now that you can play all these different ones and fill up your graveyard really fast, kind of keep your card selection going. And on top of that, there's just so many mana dorks too. So you can get mana dorks down really early. They can help you churn out these mulch-like effects. But then they also tap to Convoke for Hogak. So like, yeah, you can't spend the mana that they make on him, but you can just tap them. They're usually green or black or something.
0: So how early in the game can you reasonably expect to have Hogak out?
1: I've kind of found that you pretty much always have Hogak turn four. This list, I feel like you could get a pretty reasonable turn three Hogak a lot of the time.
0: So what do you do once you have this 8-8 trample on the field?
1: There's a few different things you can do. So this deck in particular is running a Voltron package. You got things like Inquisitor's Flail, which is a two mana artifact equipment it equips for two, and if a creature would deal damage or take damage, it doubles. That shortens that Hogat clock by a lot. There's things like Hero's Blades, a two-mana artifact equipment. It gives a creature plus three plus two, it equips for four, but whenever a legendary creature enters the battlefield, you can attach it to that creature. And there's a bunch of other things like that. There's a Fire Shrieker in this list, uh, three-mana equipment, equipped for two, equipped creature has double strike. Honestly, the most fun thing that I like in this list is just the Corozda Guildmage. Corozda Guildmage is a 2-2 for black-green, and it has two abilities. It has one black-green target creature, gets plus one, plus one, and gains Intimidate until in a turn. That's not super important here. The cool one is two black-green, sacrifice a non-token creature, create X, one-one green sapling creature tokens, where X is the sacrifice creature's toughness. So basically what this does is it turns every iteration of, like, two green-black into eight more tokens, because then you can just tap the tokens and cast Hogak again. Gets out of hand really quickly.
0: One thing I like about this list is all of the, the Hunter's Prowess, Hunter's Insight, Soul's Majesty type effects. Because your commander is just enormous, you can reliably draw 8 cards for 4 or 5 mana or however much. Let's talk a little bit about like what the higher price points are in this list. There aren't that many of them.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of like $2 cards to like $4 cards. But not that many, like $20 cards? The few
0: high points are Berserk, $12 for a green instant. Uh, Cast Berserk only before the combat damage step. Target creature gains Trample and gets plus X plus O until end of turn where X is its power. At the beginning of the next end step, destroy that creature if it attacked this turn. So Hogak, because you can cast him from your graveyard, losing him isn't ever a huge burden. And Berserk makes it so that if you have Hogak, any other pump effect, and Berserk, your opponent's going to be taking 21 plus commander yeah, damage.
1: it gets really crazy.
0: Another more expensive card is Life from the Loam, which is about $10. One in a green for a sorcery. Return up to three target land cards from your graveyard to your hand. Dredge three. This list is running a fair number of cycling lands, and so this is good for setting up an engine that fills your graveyard with a bunch of cards for Hogak to delve away, and also giving you an engine for card advantage.
1: This deck is also running a Bloodgast. so Bloodgast is a 2-1 uh, Vampire Spirit for Black Black. It cannot block. Uh, it has haste as long as an opponent has 10 or less life, but the important part is landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, you may return Bloodgast from the graveyard to the battlefield. So you basically always have a dork to help tap for Hogak, and he's free. Like, if you mill him with any of these other effects, he's here forever.
0: Let's talk a little bit about how we would add more money to the deck. So the the first thing that sticks out for me would be Mesmeric Orb. So that is currently about $25, $30. It's a two-cost artifact. Whenever a player untaps a permanent, they mill the top card of their library. So that's awesome at filling up your graveyard for Hogak, but... It's a little bit much for a single card when we're building a budget list, but if I wanted to add money to the deck, that's the first thing I'd buy.
1: The other thing are just staples. Like we kind of mentioned before, green has a lot of really good staples that would be really good in this list. An Assassin's Trophy would just slot into this really well. That card is just amazing. So just black, green, instant, destroy target permanent. Its controller may search for a basic land and put into a play tab. That just deals with anything you need, but it's expensive.
0: That's all we have to say on the subject of Hogak. If this deck sounds interesting to you, we recommend checking out the list that's going to be
1: posted in the episode description.
0: What is the next commander we're going to be talking about?
1: Yeah, so this one is Savra, Queen of the Golgari. So Savra is a 2-2 elf shaman for two black green. She has, whenever you sacrifice a black creature, you may pay two life. If you do, each other player sacrifices a creature. And whenever you sacrifice a green creature, you may gain two life. So this list is about
0: $250, but there's opportunities to decrease the price. This deck is all about black sack fodder and sack outlets, and just using your, your Grave packed Commander effectively so that you can control the board and often like get additional value off of creatures dying. What are some of the sack outlets we're running in this
1: deck? So there's Viscera Seer, which is just a 1-1 Vampire Wizard for 1 black. It has Sacrifice a Creature, Scry 1. We're running Sadistic Hypnotist, which is a 2-2 human minion. It costs 3 and 2 black, and Sacrifice a creature, target player, discards 2 cards. But you can only activate this at sorcery speed.
0: There's some great enchantments, like Attrition, 1 black, black for an enchantment, black, Sacrifice a creature, destroy target non-black creature. There's Mind Slash, 1 black, black for an enchantment, black, Sacrifice a creature, target opponent, reveals his or her hand. Choose a card from it, that player discards that card, play this ability only time you could play sorcery. And then there's a few other filtered throughout the deck. There's like High Market is a great one because Mm -hmm. it's a land that can for a colorless or you can tap Sacrifice a Creature to gain a life. The benefit of that is that there's a lot of land tutors in these colors. And most of the land tutors are relatively inexpensive. So they're great ways to ensure that you're able to find a sac outlet consistently because that's really what this deck hinges on.
1: It's always amazing to me like how effective like this kind of strategy is like The commander is a game very much about just having your commander in play and so when your commander is very good at keeping others off the battlefield it's pretty good Mm -hmm. (laughs) you can take over a game pretty quickly
0: yeah and there's some uh, great sack fodder in these colors that i want to touch on briefly like there's Bloodgast, Nether another trader reassembling skeleton but also some good token generators Sengir autocrat is three in a black for a two two human that when it enters the battlefield you make Three zero one black surf creature tokens, and when it leaves the battlefield, you exile all surfs. Um, there is Ophiomancer, which is one of the best, honestly, because oh, yeah. it's two and a black for a human shaman. At the beginning of each upkeep, if you control no snakes, put a one one black snake creature token with Death Touch onto the battlefield. So if you are able to sacrifice that snake every single turn, then it'll replace itself at the beginning of the next turn. So you can get Or savra triggers in a turn cycle
1: the other things that are really cool is this list is just running like like worm harvest the worm harvest is two hybrid black green hybrid black green hybrid black green so five mana total create a one one black and green worm creature token for each land card in your graveyard and it has retrace so you can discard a land card from your hand and cast this card from your graveyard by paying its cost in addition to the discard of the land so what this does is you just end up churning out worms they're black and green so you're getting kind of the full sovereign package with this one card that you can kind of discard or throw away because you don't really need it early game and then all of a sudden you just start cranking out worms Mm -hmm. it's great let's talk a little bit
0: about opportunities to reduce the price one of the more expensive cards in the deck is grave pact it's 19 one black 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 for an enchantment whenever a creature you control dies each other player sacrifices a creature it's sort of doubling up on your commander, but that redundancy is great if your commander gets turned into a tree or if you're just getting taxed out of her over the course of the game. But it is a lot to spend on a single card. Similarly, Dictative Erebos is $12. It's three black black for an enchantment with flash. Whenever a creature you control dies, each opponent sacrifices a creature. So a lot of redundancy there. But these effects do stack if your opponents have a lot of creatures. This can help you clear the board. Some other expensive cards. Some of the sack outlets can be a little pricey.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was actually going to mention like birthing pod mm-hmm. is uh, about eleven dollars right now. It's a sack outlet that gets you value that might be a little bit out of your price range and isn't necessary for the deck to function. Mm-hmm.
0: Ashnod's altar is another pricier sack outlet. It's around twelve dollars for a three-cost artifact sacrifice a creature, add CC to your mana pool. Although it's notable that you can save a little bit of money on those by getting an older version. It's the Eternal Master's version that's the most expensive, but if you're willing to go back to like 5th edition or 6th edition mm-hmm. Chronicles, mm-hmm. you can shave a couple dollars off that.
1: The other thing that I would mention is uh, this deck is running a Growing rights of Itlamok, which is a legendary enchantment from Ixalan, Two and a green. When it enters the battlefield, you look at the top four cards of your library, you may reveal a creature card from among them, put it into your hand, and then you put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. At your end step, if you control four or more creatures, you flip it, and it basically becomes a a guy's cradle. It becomes an Itlamot Cradle of the Sun, which either taps for a green or taps for a green for each creature you control. You know, I don't know how many of you have seen guy's cradle in action, but it's pretty good. So this deck making as many tokens as it does, this card can just crank out green mana and flip really easily, but uh, the card at time of recording is around like 13 bucks and again isn't necessary for the deck to function, so that's another way to kind of shave off some of the cost. If people wanted to add money to Savra, where would they do it? think in this deck in particular some of the like we said sack outlets are really good so there's phyrexian tower mm-hmm. is just probably one of the best sack outlets in black because it's a mana source so basically what that means is it's faster than most spells phyrexian tower is a legendary land it taps to add a colorless or it tap sack a creature add two black to your mana pool mm-hmm. the fact that it's sneaky fast means that you can kind of get around some weird things like split second <laughs> <laughs> yeah that actually
0: has happened to me where i had yeah. to make a decision between tapping a high market or tapping a phyrexian tower and i was like i might want to gain the life and then somebody word of seizing the thing i wanted to sacrifice is like if i just tapped it the other way this wouldn't be happening to me. so funny yeah it's a hard lesson to learn on that theme of sack outlets phyrexian altar it's like ashnod's altar but it adds colored mana any other cards that stand out to you as being effective in this in this deck?
1: Yeah, just really good token makers that people run. So I would say like Bitter Blossom. And then, of course, like this is true of all the decks, but Fetch Lands in this list. They make Worm Harvest better. Uh, they fill up your graveyard. They just round out your mana base.
0: With that, I think we're ready to move on to the next Golgari commander. It is Hapatra, Vizier of Poisons. She is black-green for a 2-2 human cleric. Whenever she deals combat damage to a player, you may put a minus one minus one counter on target creature. Whenever you put one or more minus one minus one counters on a creature, create a one one green snake creature token with death touch. So what is it about this deck that makes it conducive to a budget build?
1: Yeah, there have been a lot of cards over the years that care about minus one minus one counters, and most of them have not necessarily been playable. As soon as you're getting creatures out of the deal, though, once you're spending two, three mana to do something and also get a snake or maybe a ton of snakes, that becomes a great deal. So you, you end up with a bunch of these cards that are not super expensive that do something that's pretty like niche, like kind of in the corner, and then all of a sudden become super explosive with your commander. Also, something about Hapatra that has just kind of blown me away she's only two mana she's just black green so she comes down really early and just gets going i think that alone can like steamroll some games it's
0: crazy yeah like normally combat damage triggers can be a little bit underwhelming because in commander you know people are going to have blockers they have time to develop their board but if you have on turn two people don't necessarily have blockers that early in the game
1: yeah someone someone will probably be open
0: this is a great deck, a really interesting deck. Like you said, it uses cards that maybe not everyone else is interested in, both because the the hoop you're jumping through is kind of unique, this minus one, minus one counter theme. And also the reward is not just like draw cards, but it's like something that you kind of have to build around as well. So like there's a lot of cards in this deck that maximize the benefit of these 1-1 one, one Death Touchers. Like nobody wants to block them, so if you have a driven to despair, which is one in a green for sorcery until end of turn, creatures you control gain trample, and whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, draw a card, and then despair, aftermath, one in a black, until end of turn, creatures you control gain menace, and whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, that player discards a card. So these combat damage effects are really good because, like, you're getting a card no matter what. If they block your Death Toucher, you kill their creature. If they don't block your Death Toucher, you're either drawing a card or making them discard. So that's really effective. Other benefits in green for going wide, there's Shamanic Revelation, draw a card for each creature you control, Collective Unconscious, the same thing. If somebody wanted to decrease the cost of this deck, because this build we're looking at is around $230, where could they cut
1: There's a lot of different overrun effects in green, and so this deck in particular is running Triumph of the Hordes, which currently finds itself at about, like, $10. It's obviously kind of one of the better ones, but I think you don't necessarily need that one. You could run some other overrun effect and still be pretty good. Like, this deck is also running Beastmaster Ascension. It's just so easy to get off the ground with that card, and you'll be able to find... Wind conditions in green <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, by going wide, so that that'd be something that I would kind of maybe pay attention to.
0: Another card in this deck that is a little bit pricier. It's Yogmoth, Thran Physician, two black, black for a two-four human cleric, pro humans, pay one life, sacrifice another creature, put a minus one, minus one counter on up to one target creature, and draw a card, and then black, black, discard a card, proliferate. So Yogmoth is about eleven dollars right now, but there's such a strong synergy between him and Apatra. Like, he is sacrificing creatures to put counters on things and draw cards, and then whenever you're putting a counter on things, you get another creature that you can then sacrifice to Yogmoth. So it really allows you to just annihilate your opponent's creatures, draw a ton of cards. It's a It's a very powerful engine.
1: The last thing I would mention, you don't need it, but it's really good. In this list is just Contagion Engine, which is a six-mana artifact. When it enters the battlefield, you put a minus-one, minus-one counter on each creature target player controls. And then it has four tap proliferate twice. So this card just makes so many snakes. Mm -hmm. It makes so many snakes. And and it is just such a blowout. But it's currently finding itself at around like $15. Uh, And you you will make a lot of snakes too. So this is definitely a way to push the deck kind of over the edge. Um, A lot of decks nowadays especially kind of like a Contagion Engine. So it's something that will be good in your collection. But I totally understand if you need to cut costs somewhere, Like you will still be able to get some snakes rolling without a Contagion Engine in your list. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, last two cards I want to mention. Like the Sovereign list, this deck is also running Dictative Erebos and Grave Pact, and which are, uh, again, 12 and $19 respectively. So they're great in this list because you've got all these guys to get triggers off of, but again, they, they are a bit more expensive. And so if you were to make all these changes this deck would be easily like in the 150 to 180 yeah. range. Mhm.
1: Mm-hmm. Way um, way way cheaper.
0: But if if people wanted to go the other direction and add some money to the deck, what are some things they could do?
1: So I I actually the there's a suite of cards that uh people talk about all the time that are related to uh, doubling season. Basically all these cards that like make more tokens. So you have your parallel lives, doubling seasons, primal vigor um all of these cards make it so when you make a token you get an additional one uh it turns out that's pretty good when you are making a ton of one one death touch snakes but all of these cards are over twenty dollars mm-hmm. <laughs> some of them much more than twenty dollars yeah um so that would be maybe somewhere to look if you wanted to add money to the list
0: earthcraft is really nice which uh, is yeah. one and a green for an enchantment tap and untapped creature you control untapped target basic land So that's a great way, because you're making so many Death Touch Snakes, this is a great way to just uh, generate other resources off of them. With that, I think we can move on to the next color identity. We're going to be talking about Simic decks next. So these are blue-green decks. And the first list we're going to be talking about is Edric, Spymaster of Trust. So this list is one of the cheaper ones we're going to be talking about today. It's $170. And Edric, for those who aren't familiar with him, is 1 green-blue for a 2-2 elf rogue. Whenever a creature deals combat damage to one of your opponents, its controller may draw a card. So, what is it about the Edric deck that allows it to be relatively cheap?
1: This is actually one of the funnier lists because it's just so many one-drops. This is, uh, if you've listened to the podcast, you've heard us talk about, like, During set reviews, people get really upset when we don't mention a certain type of card, which is a one-mana evasive guy in blue or green. So this is the classic Flying Man deck. Flying Man is a 1-1 flyer for one blue. That's it. But there's just so many of these uh, across blue and green. You fill up your list with these guys. You go, like, here's a 1-1 flyer. Here's two 1-1 flyers. Here's Edric. Draw three cards. And it just takes off running this deck is also running a lot of the mana dorks so you you got your like elvish mystics arbor elves boreal druids all those guys to really like make sure you can get edric turn two or help cast a lot of these cards you're drawing really quickly Mm -hmm. Uh, that might be more expensive and we'll get into the few cards that cost more than two (laughs) yeah in a little bit Uh,
0: there's also a lot of cheap interaction in this deck so what tends to happen is like the, the turn after you get Edric down and draw your three cards it's like, well, now I'm just able to keep up counterspells for the rest of the game and continue to refill my hand as I answer your threats or answer your answers with things like Arcane Denial, Counterspell, Delay, Disdainful Stroke, Mana Leak. These two mana counterspells. Another thing that's really effective in this list are extra turn effects. Not only do you get to like untap and get all your mana back, but you draw another four cards... Off of Edric and your draw step. They're very strong in this deck, and eventually Edric just kind of goes over the top with like a Beastmaster Ascension or a Triumph of the Hordes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, it's really, really insane Like how good this list is for how cheap it is. Mm-hmm.
0: It's kind of hard to pick them, but what are the more expensive cards if you wanted to get this deck even lower? If you wanted to get this deck down to like 150 or less, or yeah.
1: what would you pull out? I mean, they're the really i mean the kind of glaring example is there's like the sticks running it's cyclonic rift y- you probably don't need it you're very fast it's not bad to have a cyclonic rift as most people listening to this are gonna know but it's 22 and if you really 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 are on a budget you, you can just run something else mm-hmm. like it-, it doesn't add to the game plan it just is a support card this deck
0: is also running, uh, as I mentioned, Triumph of the Hordes, so that's $10 for like, your win condition style card. Uh, that's another place you could potentially cut, but other than that, so much of the deck is just 25 cent commons. Yeah,
1: <laughs> this deck is running uh, 38 creatures, and I think there's only 5 of them that are over 1 mana, so this deck is just full of these like little crappy flyers, and it's wonderful.
0: Yeah, so this is a a great option if you uh, are looking for a deck on a budget. And let's say you go in the other direction, how are you gonna add money to this deck?
1: Adding time warp, adding temporal manipulation, adding like more of these maybe more expensive versions of the time warp cards. Because right now we're running like Karn's temporal Sundering and Part the Water Veil and temporal mastery. Some of these like the temporal mastery and Walk the Anns in particular are about like six dollars but just if you want to really up the hit rate on like getting these cards rolling that's probably the first place i would put money in
0: beyond those it takes like a really big jump because like then you start thinking about like well how can you increase the the quality of the the interaction so things like maybe force of negation force of will mana drain it, it becomes wildly more yeah. expensive beyond that
1: yeah, so this list like is pretty easy to crank some money into. And then, of course, mana, like I said, mana base, you can always add fetches and, and duels and what, whatever you want to add there, make it a little bit more smooth. But I, I don't think you'd have a problem with the mana base that we have mm-hmm. in this list. I don't think any of these lists you would have a problem with if you're just going to goldfish or play with your friends. Moving on to the next
0: Simic list. This is Krufix God of Horizons. So this deck is around $240, and for those who aren't familiar, Krufix is 3 green-blue for a 4-7 legendary enchantment creature god. It's indestructible and has, as long as your devotion to green and blue is less than 7, Krufix isn't a creature, you have no maximum hand size, and if unused mana would empty from your mana pool, it becomes colorless instead. What does this deck look like? Why
1: is it so cheap? there are crew fix lists that they make a bunch of mana and then they cast like Eldrazi and stuff like that. This is not that crew fix list. What this list is doing is this is, this is accruing mana cards and stuff like that. And then you're using X spells to really like take over the game. A gelatinous Genesis is not actually that much money. This is XX green, put XXX green ooze creature tokens on the battlefield. And a lot of these X spells are very similar to that. Like they're they're, one to two dollars maybe um but because your ability to just crank mana into the x is so much more than your opponents you can really really just push way over the top of whatever your opponents are doing
0: i've seen it played and it is very explosive when it gets going oh yeah the great thing about it is like because crew is indestructible because it's often not a creature like it's something you can rely on having on the board. It's really difficult for your opponents to answer and stop you from accruing all of this uh, this mana. What are some of the more expensive cards in this deck?
1: One of the things that really kind of pushes this deck over the top is Doubling Cube. I wouldn't recommend cutting this just because it's such like a singular effect and it really, really goes like off with crew fix. So Doubling Cube is a two mana artifact. It has three tap, double the amount of each type of mana in your mana pool. This can be used to good effect in some decks. This is probably the best deck I've ever seen it in. Going from like 14 colorless to 22 is just nuts. Like, And then doing that multiple turns in a row, so crazy. So that, that's probably the biggest single yeah. card in the list, barring Cyclonic Rift, which is also in this list. So that, that would probably be my recommendation is like maybe some of these staple effects you might want to cut, but I think there's not really too many singular cards here that I'm like super against running a uh, burgeoning another staple effect that is just so good though it's just green enchantment whenever an opponent plays a land you may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield keep accruing value over your opponent's turns this deck is very good at doing that
0: yeah especially given that it has so much card draw like for most decks eventually burgeoning kind of runs out and stops doing its thing but with this deck you could realistically trigger versioning on each one of your opponents' <laughs> turns forever. Yeah, it's really cool. Brain geyser is one that's a little bit more expensive and it is kind of replaceable. It's X blue blue for sorcery, target player draws X cards. It's $12 because it was last printed and revised. But these kinds of effects are exactly what the deck is trying to do. Just good sinks for all the mana that you're you're generating.
1: Yeah, this deck is running like pull from tomorrow, which is X, blue, blue. Draw X cards, then discard a card. Stroke of genius, X, two, blue. Uh, Another instant, target player draws X cards. Just because when you do these things, like you just, you are drawing so many more cards than your opponents, and you're just seeing so much more, and you have no maximum hand size with fix, The snowball effect is huge, and it's a visceral experience.
0: (laughs) If you wanted to add money to this deck, what would you plan on doing?
1: Yeah, I would, um, I mean, I think the easiest answer is the legendary Eldrazi. They're colorless, they're huge, they win you the game. That's just the first place that I would put money.
0: You can also add money to the mana base, try to get that a little bit more consistent. Maybe some more mana rocks, a mana crypt, if you happen to own one, would not be unwelcome here. I think we can move into the, the last few color identities, but before we jump into them, I want to talk about an opportunity, I suppose. If you're listening to this podcast on Stitcher and you have not yet tried Stitcher Premium, I heartily recommend it because joining up with Stitcher Premium gives you access to Stitcher Originals, gives you bonus episodes of a lot of your favorite podcasts, and uh, it can remove ads from some of your favorite shows. If you are interested in signing up for Stitcher Premium, we've got a promo code for you that will give you one month free off of your monthly plan. If you go to stitcher.com slash premium and use promo code commandertheory, all one word, then you'll get that one month free and you can give it a shot, see how you like Stitcher Premium, and you can always cancel later. Try Stitcher Premium today, you can get all those bonuses we just talked about, and you can support the show. And with that, let's jump into the last few color identities we're going to be touching on today. What is the first is it Commander we're going to be talking about?
1: Brutaclad Telcor Engineer... Brutaclad is a 6-mana 4-4 creature tokens you control have haste. Uh, At the beginning of combat on your turn, create a 2-1 blue mirror artifact creature token. Then you may choose a token you control. If you do, each other token you control becomes a copy of that token. Brutoclad is super weird on the surface you look at him and you're like what is going on here has a ton of different builds and kind of plays more like a sorcery than a creature Mm -hmm. (laughs) you kind of like lay him down and then all of a sudden a thing happens and it's pretty wild game experience and this list right now that we're going to be talking about sits at about 180 dollars so it can be built really budget you can you can do a lot of different builds with him this is a, a very good budget list for him
0: one of the, the things that he specializes in that's a little bit different from most other commanders is he's all about generating tokens efficiently and then also powerful tokens. He's running things like Hanwer Garrison, Goblin Rabble Master, Krenko Mob Boss, Krenko Tin Street Kingpin, Legion War Boss, all these things that are able to, to come down really early and then pump out tokens every single turn. He's also running cards like Rite of the Raging Storm, uh, Rite of Replication. Quasi-Duplicate, Stolen Identity, these cards that can make token copies of the most powerful creatures on the board. And then when you finally get to six mana and you drop Bruticlad, you can convert all of your tokens into the best one you happen to have. So suddenly you have half a dozen mere battle spheres or something.
1: Yeah, it's really, really hilarious. Yeah, this deck is running like Cackling Counterpart, which is an instant one blue-blue. It flashes back for five blue-blue. Create a token that's a copy of Dark Creature you control. So, like, these creatures that make tokens can become tokens that you then make into other things. It's it's So, it, you can kind of create this, like, really, really crazy board state in really not that much time. This also has some other tech. So, he, he lets your tokens become tokens. So, let's say you're playing against an opponent that you know has a lot of board wipes or that you saw, like, made a deal to wipe the board. You can just turn all your tokens into treasure for a turn. Mm-hmm. And save them all for later (laughs) do really silly things like that it's really hilarious
0: in addition to things that produce creature tokens there's some really efficient treasure and clue token generators there's like spell swindle three blue blue for an instant counter target spell create x treasure tokens where x is that spells converted mana cost uh confirm suspicions three blue blue for an instant counter target spell investigate three times so you get three clue tokens and then of course one of the newer additions to this deck Dockside Extortionist, one in a red for a 1-2 Goblin Pirate. When it enters the battlefield, create X treasure tokens where X is the number of artifacts and enchantments your opponents control. So all of these give you tokens at an amazing rate, which Brutaclad can then convert into things that are stronger and more powerful.
1: Mm-hmm. And this deck really just gives you a ton of play because like, sometimes you don't want a 5-1 elemental token. Sometimes you want a 1-1 one, one devil token because if you can sack your board or like something's going to happen, you'll ping them to death. So it, the options that you get playing this deck are, are really cool
0: what are some of the more expensive cards in this deck we mentioned that this this deck was about 180 dollars if you wanted to reduce the price how would you go about it
1: i mean we mentioned Dockside at some of the best token producers are very expensive this deck is running attempt with vengeance it's currently sitting at around 13 dollars it's an X red for a tempting offer where you put x11 one, one red elemental creature tokens with haste on the battlefield and then in turn order each opponent can decide if they would like x11 red elemental tokens with haste and if they say yes you get that again so if the board is a bunch of fools you just end up <laughs> with a huge amount of tokens really really quickly this is expensive it's very very good i wouldn't recommend cutting it but it does make your list go off very hard a lot of this list like the expensive cards are things that i would actually recommend just not cutting because Fairy Artisans is a 2 2 flyer for three and a blue. Whenever a non token creature enters the battlefield under an opponent's control, you create a token that's a copy of that creature, except it's an artifact in addition to its other types, and then you exile all the other tokens you've made with Fairy Artisans up to this point. What this does is it just gives you any ETBs that your opponents have, um, but also, let's say they just play something great, an Inferno Titan or something, then your board becomes Inferno Titan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think this is kind of the only deck where I would urge you to not cut these cards. <laughs> this deck, the money is in these, like, just really efficient token producers that actually kind of make the deck work. If
0: you were to add money to the deck, how would you go about doing it?
1: If I was going to add money to this deck, I would just put in better mana rocks. One of the things about Brutoclad is he's six mana. And as someone who's been, like, kind of experimenting with a lot of different commanders lately and mana costs, six is so much and like getting to six one time is not that much of a problem but getting to eight becomes a problem getting to 10 becomes a problem like every time after that becomes a problem and yes this list has like treasure production and stuff like that but you don't really want to sack your treasure Uh to cast Brutaclad you kind of want to build up that treasure so i would play um more good mana rocks mana vaults mana crypt really anything you can get your hand on mm-hmm. uh, just to really make sure that you can get brutaclad and keep Brutoclad out there
0: i think we can move on to the next commander this is joyra weatherlight captain she is two blue red for a three three human artificer whenever you cast a historic spell draw a card and the list we're looking at here is around two hundred and ten
1: dollars What is it about this deck that makes it so cheap? This deck is hilarious because pretty much you're just running a bunch of Darksteel Relics. So Darksteel Relic is a zero mana artifact. Uh, It has Indestructible, and that's it. It's just an object that sits there. And this whole list is just zero or one mana artifacts, mostly zero or like X, which is effectively zero. You cast them. And that's it. It doesn't matter what they do. This is we got Zurin orbs. We got a hatcheries. We got uh jeweled amulets. It l- literally doesn't matter what the card does. A cathar's shield. All that matters is that it costs 0 because Dora goes, "Oh, you cast a historic spell. I'm going to draw a card." And you just tear through your deck.
0: Yeah, if you look at the artifacts in this list, yeah, the the average cost on these is like Easily a, a dollar, maybe less. Mm-hmm.
1: The the average CMC of this whole list is one mana because there are so many zero mana artifact. That's not something most decks can say. <laughs> yeah. There's 36 zero mana cards in this list.
0: Where is the, the value concentrated in this deck? What are the, the most expensive cards and would you recommend cutting them if uh, you were trying to reduce the, the cost of the deck?
1: I would not. I think really where you're spending money on this list are the win conditions, so we have an Aetherflux Reservoir in here. It's just so good, and and the fact that it counts the spells you've cast prior to Aetherflux Reservoir means that, let's say you've cast seven zero mana artifacts digging to get your Aetherflux Reservoir, and then you play it, draw another card, and then you play more zero mana things, you're gaining... 9, 10, 11 life, accruing massive amounts of life very quickly, and just you're gonna close out the game immediately. I wouldn't cut that.
0: Another expensive card is Vidalcon Archmage, which is two blue blue for a zero two 2 Vidalcon Wizard. Whenever you cast an artifact spell, draw a card, so it's essentially another copy of your commander, but I would really recommend playing it because having two of that effect makes it so you're basically unable to fizzle
1: yeah definitely uh drawing two cards at a time instead of one just basically just you're never gonna fizzle ever there's some other cards those are the two most expensive ones that i can really see the list but there's some other cards that are are close. Like Mana Severance is a seven dollar card currently, six fifty seven dollars. It's one in a blue sorcery. Search your library for any number of land cards and exile them. Shuffle your library. Th- this just also makes it so you don't fizzle, and it's so cheap. And nothing really does this this efficiently.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't recommend cutting that either. the 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 two points where I could maybe see you saving some money is um, Walking Ballista. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and hanger Back Walker. So these these are both create zero zeros for xx and you typically just cast them x is zero they die immediately they're just another way for joyra to draw cards but they're more expensive than the rest of the deck they're pretty replaceable you could probably cut the hanger back walker and the walking ballista save yourself some money and just replace them with other zero mana artifacts
1: mm-hmm. this list if we wanted to beef it up what would we do
0: one of the things that'll have the biggest impact on your ability to, to not fizzle is having mana rocks that add more mana than they cost. If you throw in like a Mana Crypt, Chrome Mox, a Mox Diamond, Mox Amber, Mox Opal, Mana Vault, Grim Monolith, any of these mana rocks that add more mana than they cost, you can go up on mana as you're comboing off and then use that mana to cast things that'll make it more likely you combo off. If you say draw into a mox amber and a mox opal and cast those two, you can use that to cast a mana severance, and then from there you're basically zero percent to fizzle. All right,
1: what's the last
0: is it list we're going to be talking about today?
1: So this is Mizzix of the ismagus. Uh, Mizzix is a 2-2 two, two goblin wizard for 2 blue-red. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell with converted mana cost greater than the number of experience counters you have, you get an experience counter. And then she also has instants and sorcery spells you cast cost 1 less to cast for each experience counter you have. So basically what this list is is the spell slinger list. And every time you cast an instant or sorcery that costs more than your experience, you get an experience and it makes them cost less. So it's kind of this snowball-y thing. And the fact that it's experience means that it's pretty hard to disrupt what you're doing. They basically have to keep Mizigs off the field permanently. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Otherwise, you can really get a ton of value out of this. This list currently is sitting at $230 at time of recording and is really strong. Do you want to kind of get into some of what you're doing? This deck is
0: all about maximizing the benefit of Mizzix's experience counters. So there's a fair number of X spells that work really well with her because they guarantee that you're getting the maximum value off of the cost reduction, and they guarantee that the cost of the spell will be high enough to get her another experience counter. They're really great in this deck. There's a fair bit of overlap between this deck and CruFix in that you're running Mind Spring and Brain spells like that. Proliferation is very good in this deck, so like Tezzeret's Gambit is awesome because it's not hard to get enough experience counters that it's completely free, and then even if the mana cost isn't high enough to bump up her experience counters naturally, the proliferate will do that for you. Same with contentious plan. So that's uh one into blue for a sorcery, draw a card, proliferate. That'll also bump up mizix's counters, replace itself with a card, probably only cost you one mana. And then the real heart of the deck is the combos. So there's a couple two-card combos, one-card combos. Firemind's Foresight is, is like a win condition in itself, essentially. Yeah,
1: it, so Firemind's Foresight is a seven-mana instant. It costs five blue-red, and it has search your library for an instant card with converted mana cost three, reveal it, put it in your hand, then repeat this process for an instant uh, with converted mana cost two and one. Basically, you just cast Firemind's Foresight, and you you, you did it. You win right there.
0: Yeah, there's a couple ways to make it work from there. Reset is untap all your lands for blue-blue. Only cast this during an opponent's upkeep phase. You have that. You have Reiterate as your 3-CMC spell, which is copy target instant sorcery spell for 1 red-red. as buyback for 3. You can cast Reset during your opponent's upkeep, copy it with Reiterate, and you will net mana on each casting of Reiterate. And then from there, you can just have Lightning Bolt as your 1-CMC spell. Once you have infinite mana, cast Lightning Bolt, reiterate it infinite times, infinite damage to your opponents.
1: It's actually easier than that because the uh, experience Mm -hmm. counters make the buyback and everything cheaper too. Mm -hmm. So you just go, you just do it. (laughs) Yeah,
0: you could potentially cast Firemind's Foresight for two mana. And then assuming you have enough experience counters, you would only need five mana
1: up after that. Mm -hmm. It's really crazy. Another thing you can do too with reiterate is reality spasm, so like let's say you you don't fire mine's foresight, you just like have a reality spasm. so reality spasm is x blue blue, choose one, tap x permanence or untap x permanence, untap those lands and do it again mm-hmm. <laughs> make a bunch of mana.
0: Another good combo is if you have enough experience counters, seething song can also be slotted into this combo and replace reality spasm or reset. Same with Mana Geyser. Inner Fire will also do the trick. So there's a lot of cards that just like I make enough mana that Reiterate becomes profitable and go infinite from there.
1: Because of that we know Reiterate is an expensive spell but we highly highly recommend not cutting it. It's currently sitting at about $15 but it is the glue that makes the deck work. So if you want to make a Mizzix deck we highly recommend purchasing Reiterate and Mm kind of Seasoning to taste with whatever cards you want to play with it.
0: Reset is thirty-three dollars currently. It is more replaceable than reiterate, partially because reality spasm slots into the firemind's foresight combo.
1: The other card, uh, I guess if we're getting into cards to cut, is music's mastery. Besides being on theme by name, uh, music's mastery is a three-in-a-red sorcery exile target card that's an instant or sorcery from your graveyard. For each card exiled this way, copy it, you may cast the copy without paying its mana cost, exile Mizzix Mastery, and then you can overload it for five red, 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 so eight. Mizzix makes that cheaper, and it's just a ton of value. There's a lot of cards in this deck, like uh, Factor Fiction, or Frantic Search, or Gamble, or Deep Analysis, or cards that just draw cards. When you're casting all of them at the same time, you kind of can just like go off, take a bunch of extra turns, like untap a bunch of stuff, like just get like an insane amount of value in one turn. But this card is currently sitting at about $16 and is not necessary for the deck to function. It does kind of push you over the top, but if you want to save a little bit of money that way, that's something I would look at.
0: How about if you wanted to go in the other direction and you wanted to add money to the deck? What would be the best cards to slot in?
1: Oh boy, yeah. So uh, we mentioned them before when we were talking about Edric, but I mean, just Force of Will, Force of Negation, Mana Drain. Just these cards are just the best interaction, and your deck is a lot of blue cards. It's funny that Force
0: of Will is like especially good in this list, because yeah. it's CMC is high enough that it's likely to add an experience counter for Mizzix.
1: Yeah, it's very silly, and it just keeps you going. So like when you are comboing off, if you've drawn enough cards, you can Force of Negation without really thinking about it, Force of Will without thinking about it, and uh, kind of keep things rolling without worrying too much.
0: Time Spiral and Wheel of Fortune are also cards that are a pretty penny but definitely add some percentage points to your your ability to win like the fact that time spiral draws you seven cards and nets a lot of mana off of mizzix is uh nothing
1: to sneeze at yeah there's a lot there's a lot going on on that one card
0: wheel of fortune is likely to be like one mana draw you seven cards yeah
1: (laughs) also notable pretty good yeah so this deck is a blast it is a combo deck, so if you're playing in a meta where that's not super appreciated, then mm, it's something to look out for. But I think you'd be surprised at how cheaply you can put this list together. I know I definitely did not imagine when we were doing this series that Mizzix would be one of the ones I was talking about.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I thought it was going to be way more expensive, but it's it's great that you can build this deck for considerably less than $250.
1: Yeah, that's great. And I think that moves us on to our last color identity and our last commander,
0: I could not believe what I was seeing as I was putting this deck together. I clicked our affiliate link and just checked and saw what it looked like in the shopping cart at TCG Player. And this deck is $100.
1: Yep, so we got a $100 deck, everybody. This is Feather the Redeemed.
0: Red, white, white for a 3-4 angel with flying. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell that targets a creature you control, exile that card instead of putting into your graveyard as it resolves. If you do, return it to your hand at the beginning of the next end step. What is it about this deck that makes it so darn cheap? How is it by far the cheapest deck in our budget deck episode?
1: So all of the cards that you are casting in this list are complete and utter garbage. Every single one of them, they're all like one to two mana spells that do something incredibly minor and a lot of them draw you a card and they're just like draft chaff. They're not spells that any other deck at all wants in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> it's wonderful. It's so good. So when I say that, um, I'm going to just mention some cards just so you kind of get an idea of what I'm talking about. So I'm talking about like Niveus Wisps, which is one white instant. Target creature becomes white until in a turn. Tap that creature. Draw a card. I'm talking about like invigorated rampage which is one in a red instant choose one target creature gets plus four plus o and gains trample until end of turn or two target creatures get plus two plus o and gain trample until end of turn all of these like not good effects <laughs> that normally are just unplayable in commander uh, a johnny's presence which is one white instant strive you can pay two and a white more for like each creature you target past the first but any number of target creatures each get plus one plus one and gain indestructible until end of turn that's not A commander card in any way, shape, or form, but in this list, it's amazing. All of these cards are maybe twenty-five cents at most.
0: Help me understand what this deck's play pattern looks like. Why are you running all of these these terrible combat (laughs) tricks?
1: Yeah, so you you basically get feather down, and I would highly recommend getting feather down with like protection mana up. Like try to keep it so that she is there. With some kind of Ajani's presence, like I mentioned, that gives her indestructible until end of turn. And when you cast these spells that target Feather, they get exiled and go back to your hand. So you end up casting these spells that basically give you this like strange roundabout form of card advantage. As soon as you get one of these cards that does something and draws a card. So, for instance, Bandage is one white instant. Prevent the next one damage that would be dealt to target creature player this turn. Draw a card bandage with feather is you just can spend a white to draw a card on each player's turn that is something that white hasn't had but especially boros has never had until feather existed and basically activated all of these cards that have been in a lot of sets over the years as just bad combat tricks bad draft chaff that us as commander players have kind of like put at the end of the table when the draft was over or whatever but here, they're just incredible because you, you are casting your bad, targeted cantrip and drawing a ton of cards off of it and, and getting other value. Actually, part of this list, uh, if I can get into that too, is there's a suite of cards that like when you cast spells. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them are when you target. There's a few heroic spells in this list. Vanguard of Bremaz, which is a 2-2 cat soldier with vigilance for white-white whenever you target Uh, it you put a 1-1 white cat soldier creature token with vigilance on the battlefield a crone crusader is a 1-1 for red heroic whenever you target it you get a 1-1 red soldier with haste then there's also like young pyromancer whenever you cast an instant or sorcery you get a 1-1 red elemental you can kind of build up a board with these guys there's other things too that kind of give you advantages and resources based on just casting spells and again all of these are so cheap
0: yeah, Gutter Snipe is a nice one, because like your average turn, you're, what, casting three, four spells per round of turns? Mm-hmm. It, it
1: adds up really, really quickly, yeah. Uh, and then uh, Runaway Steamkin is also really good in this list. It is a 1-1 one, one elemental for one and a red. Whenever you cast a red spell, you put a plus 1, plus 1 counter on it, as long as it has less than 3 one, one counters on it. And then you can remove three plus 1, plus 1 counters from it to add three red to your mana pool. As you're kind of casting your, like, expedites, which is just a red instant target creature gains haste draw card, you're getting mana to cast your expedites again and drawing cards, and the play pattern is hilarious. It's really fun, uh, highly recommended. I think, like, I'm not going to recommend you cut any cards. I
0: I think the one card you could cut is this list has an arcane signet, which is currently $11, because it's, it's nice to have, like, a two drop mana rock so that on turn three you can have feather and have one mana up for protection.
1: Yes, I, I totally agree with that.
0: But otherwise, yeah, there's no fat on this deck. I don't see how you could get this deck to less than like $90.
1: The only, only card is there's a path to exile. That's it.
0: And this kind of goes to show how difficult it is to make a commander deck that costs like $50. Because mm-hmm. cause like, These cards are not played in any format. They are all 25 cents. Every single card in this deck is like 25 cents. And it still totals up to $100. Like, I think this is like really the limit to where budget can go in Commander.
1: That being said, there are a lot of things you can do to unbudget this list. There are some very good cards in these colors that uh, work in this kind of realm. So I was talking earlier about these guys that make guys when you cast spells. If you want to beef up this list, a Monastery Mentor is incredible in this list. Monastery Mentor is a 2-2 prowess for two and a white. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, you create a 1-1 white monk creature token with prowess. So it's simultaneously like a token producer and an overrun? You cast four spells and your whole board gets plus four, plus four, and you drew a bunch of cards and you attack and have more guys. So that that's... One place that I would add money if you are going to do something like that. The mana base, Weathered Wayfarer, Land Tax, Tithe. This deck really, really wants to hit its land drops to make sure that you can cast more spells in a turn. That you can keep casting Feather if she dies, stuff like that.
0: Yeah, like this deck, there's so many like one-cost draw cards. And to to miss a land drop, it really adds up over the course of a game. You really got to think about like missing your land drop is not only just not having one mana now, it's like not having one mana every round of turns from now until the end of the game. Yeah,
1: exactly. There was a lot of buzz when Feather came out because she was the first Boros commander that did something interesting. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) This list is awesome. It's cheap. It's competitive. Um, You'll have a blast with it. It doesn't play like any deck I've ever played with ever, and we recommend it. And it's 100 bucks.
0: I think that is the last budget commander we're going to touch on today. We will be coming back with shards and wedges at some point, but let us know if you enjoyed this list. Please check out the decks. As I said, they are going to be posted in the episode description. If you are interested in buying the decks, please use the affiliate link on each deck's architect page, and that'll uh, save you a bunch of time and money, and it'll, of course, support the show. So speaking of supporting the show, I want to give a brief thank you to our Patreon patrons. They are Bradley, Gustav, Ryan, Mark, Addison, Arthur, Mason, Will, Rick, Laser, Raphael, Kyle, Charlotte, Andrew, Tom, The White Clays, Aubrey, Hannah, Anthony, Andy, Cooper, Dylan, James, Justin, and Logan. It's because of you that we're able to keep the lights on here in the studio, release bonus episodes, experiment with new types of episodes. So thank you for your support. If you're not currently a Patreon patron but would like to become one, please go to patreon.com slash commander theory. Thanks for listening. If any of you theorists want to get in touch with us, I am at commander theory on Twitter and Tumblr. And Zach is at fat on Twitter. Our theme song is Lincoln Continental by Entropy. And you can check them out on SoundCloud. Until next time, we're going back to the drawing board.